Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Bible Lab, the podcast where we explore major themes from every book of the Bible in order to see how each page points us to Jesus, who he is, and what he's done. I'm your host, Andy Wood. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the second of eight episodes exploring the amazing gospel of John. And so let's just jump right into our second theme. John proclaimed that God the Father sent Jesus because he loved the world. That's perhaps at this point the most famous Bible verse uh, out of all of them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And this is John 3.16. Now, that is a commonly known verse. That is a verse that you teach to children. But do not let its simplicity and do not let its commonality blind you to the fact that there is an ocean of truth and beauty in this verse. And all we want to do today is just dip our toe into the water of the profound eternity-shaping truth that this verse reveals. So let's look first at the word God. Everything in our life, and certainly for John and his gospel, everything must start and end with God. In his gospel, in 21 chapters, John uses the word God 83 times and Father over 100 times. So basically 10 times a chapter, John is saying God or Father, God or Father, God or Father. This book is saturated with God. And according to John, God the Father was the initiator of salvation. It doesn't say because Jesus loved the world, he snuck out of heaven, even though the Father didn't want him to go and came down and saved us. No, for God so loved the world that he gave, he sent. Jesus is very clear that he was sent by the Father. Now, he wasn't sent against his own will. He wasn't sent as a hostage or a prisoner. But the Father, we have this idea that God the Father is this mean, grumpy old man who just has his finger over the smite button ready to blast us with lightning at any moment. And Jesus is always having to talk him out of smiting and talk him into forgiving. And friends, nothing could be farther from the truth. Let us banish such blasphemous thoughts from our mind. God the Father is the initiator of salvation. God the Father is the one who sent the Son. And he is the one who loved It didn't say, for God was so bored that he thought, oh, why not Jesus go on down? No, for God so loved, for God so loved the world. It was the love of the Father that sent Jesus down. Now, was it the Father's own desire to be glorified? Yes, but friends, those are not mutually exclusive. Those can work together for our good and his glory. And John shows that God the Father is the one who is glorified here. So Jesus is going to receive glory. He makes it clear that his intention is to glorify the Father. John 12, 28, Jesus prays, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And John 17, 1, the high priestly prayer of Jesus as he is on the way to the garden to be arrested. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. And so John wants to communicate to you and to your lost friends and family members that God is a relational and loving God. God has moved heaven and earth so that he can be in a loving relationship with sinners who only deserve hell. 
but God has given himself to us. And John wants to communicate that God desired to comfort and heal a dark and sinful world, and that's what led him to send Jesus. So that's God. What about God loved? Well, in in a lot of religions, I would argue all religion except for Christianity, religion is man reaching up for heaven. And maybe God reaches down and kind of meets them halfway, but it's on man to reach up, to pull himself up, to do good deeds, to get herself into right standing with God. But John shows that it's God who's doing the work. It's God who's keeping his promises that he made in the Old Testament. He made them as a caring creator, and God promised to comfort his fallen creation. Isaiah 40, 1 through 2, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she is received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Humans are not working their way to heaven. God has come and provided a way. Because of his love, God sent his son. Because God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Because of love, Jesus died for us. Now, did Jesus die for us because he loves the Father and wants to glorify the Father? Yes. But again, that does not rule out love for us. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends, and he's about to go and do just that. This is the gospel. It's the very best news. The gospel is not good advice. The gospel is not good instruction. The gospel is first and foremost and primarily good news about what God has already done. And God has moved heaven and earth to make a way for us to be welcomed back into fellowship with him. So God, God loved, God loved the world. John uses the word for world, the Greek word cosmos, 78 times in his gospel. And this is one of the reasons that you'll often hear people say, and they're not wrong, that you know Luke is written to the Gentiles, Matthew is for the Jews, and John is for the world. And that overstates the case a little bit, but John does keep our eyes, not just on the Jews, John does keep our eyes on what God is doing in the whole world. And part of the reason is that John is himself a Jew, remember? And he knows that it's very easy for Jews to remember that they were God's chosen people. They have an entire Old Testament full of a declaration of God's love, special covenantal love for them. But John also knows that it's very easy for Jews to forget that the whole purpose for God choosing Israel was for them to be a conduit of blessing for the world. That's what God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, 3, through Abraham. He's going to bless the world. And so God loves the world. And that includes the Jews. He loves the Jews. He loves the Gentile. He loves the world. He is the God who created it all. And he is the God who deserves the worship of all. So God, God loved, God loved the world. God loved the world. So he sent Jesus. Because God loved, God acted. Friends, over and over again, the Bible, we're told that if we say we love someone, but we don't meet their practical needs, that we don't actually love them. And there's no better picture of that than the gospel. God does not sit idly by while we perish in bondage to the devil and sin and perish eternally. He does something. And that something that he does is he sends the Son. Jesus was sent by the Father to reveal the love of the Father. 
And Jesus can do this because, one, he's the very word of the Father. He expresses his will perfectly. Now, we are here paddling out into the depths of the Trinity. And so we are way out of our depth. But understand the image that's being used here. John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. So here's the word. He's in the beginning. John is intentionally echoing Genesis chapter 1. He is with God, therefore distinct from God, and yet he is also God. The word was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Again, we, we could write books and record whole series of podcasts on just those three verses, but understand one of the meanings of Jesus being called the word of God is that it's your words that express your will. It's your words that express your character. Jesus expresses perfectly the will and the character of the Father. He is God and he is the word of God. And he can reveal the love of the Father because not only is he the word of the Father, but he's sent with the authority of the Father. Again, Jesus did not sneak out of heaven on his own mission to rescue he was sent with the authority of the Lord of the universe. As you read through John's gospel, you will notice that John uses send, you know, send or sent or sending. He uses those words 60 times. For example, John 3:34, he whom God has sent utters the words of God. John 4:34, Jesus said to them, "My food is to do the will of him who sent me." and to accomplish his work. So this is the Father and Son working in tandem to bring about our redemption. So Jesus was sent by the Father to reveal the love of the Father, and Jesus came as the good shepherd. And the good shepherd, Jesus says, would love and take care of the flock. John 10, 15, and 28. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 28, I give them, Jesus' sheep, eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, Jesus didn't just randomly decide, you know, wake up and be like, I want to talk about shepherds today. No, there is a rich, rich tradition in the Old Testament of speaking of the kings of Israel, the leaders of Israel as shepherds, obviously pointing to David, the original shepherd king, and kings are supposed to be shepherds. They're supposed to be good shepherds who lead and provide and protect and guide their sheep. But unfortunately, the shepherds of Israel had almost all, not all, not 100%, but had almost all been bad shepherds. They'd been bad shepherds. And this idea of Jesus, the good shepherd, replacing the bad shepherd, this was prophesied in the Old Testament. Ezekiel 34 is a great place to see this. It says this in verses 1 and 2. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Speaking here of the, the leaders, not the literal shepherds. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? And Exodus 34 is just a running indictment of the abuse of the shepherds of the flock, the people of Israel that God had entrusted to them. And so here's God's solution. Verse 22 through 24, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. Now remember, friends, when Ezekiel's been prophesying here, David's been dead for over 400 years. Ezekiel is looking forward to the greater David, the descendant of David, 
who for Ezekiel is over 500 years into the future. But friends, this is Jesus. God is saying, I'm going to send the ultimate shepherd, my servant David, the great David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. So Jesus, the good shepherd, is going to rescue and seek out lost sheep. He's going to bind up the injured. He's going to give them peace. He's going to lead them to provisions and protection. And in fact, he is going to die for the sheep. Lay down his life. Jesus says the bad shepherds, the fake shepherds, the hired hands, when they see the wolf or the liar and the bear, they run and the sheep are slaughtered. Jesus says, I die for the sheep. So Jesus comes as the word of God. Jesus comes as the good shepherd. And Jesus comes as the obedient one. John 14, 31, I do, Jesus says, as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know I love the Father. The only hope for this dead world is to find life in Jesus, who is the sent one. Sent because the Father loved the world and is eager for us to be in a loving relationship with him. So friends, the next time we come back together, Lord willing, we're going to look at how John demonstrates that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah that Israel has been longing for, and the Son of God. But for now, my friends, take up and read. God bless.